Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. We're very happy to be taping in Passau, Germany, a gentleman who is noted for having a great understanding of history in the region and the uh, canal system in Europe. His name is Dr. Andreas Klein. He's involved with a group called Urban History. I heard a lecture by his counterpart, Alexander Estel, on the Uniworld Riverboat. And it was very fascinating because where we held program is the foot of the terminus of the Erie Canal in New York State, which of course brought great wealth to New York State and opened up trade to the Midwest. So we're going to learn all about the canals and waterways in Europe, in Germany. And our guest is Dr. Andreas Klein to tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Klein has worked for more than 10 years as an assistant professor for history at the University of Freiburg and Göttingen. He studied history, political science, and psychology at the universities of Kiel in Germany, Edinburgh, UK, Basel, Switzerland, and Freiburg, Germany. His fields of specialty are the history of religion and of ideas. Since 2015, he gives lectures on cruise ships and is a lecturer for history at the University of Göttingen. Our guest today, Dr. Andreas Klein, and again, we're um, taping from the River Duchess, and I'm happy this is his first radio appearance. And as we blanket 17 states and half of Canada, we welcome very much Dr. Andreas Klein. First, tell us, what is the group you are involved with called Urban History? Um, as I heard the lecture with your counterpart, what is urban history all about? Yes, hello. First of all, thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, well, urban history is a group of persons who deliver speeches and lectures on uh, river cruise boats who are sailing on German rivers, mostly on the Danube River, the Main River, the Rhine, and also the Main-Danube Canal. And we are people who think it very nice and important to help tourists coming over here to understand our country and so we deliver lectures about uh, the canal as I said, um, about Bavaria to explain people the local history and culture of the persons and uh, yeah in this way we try to educate people on river cruises and entertain them. And if somebody is listening in Toronto or Buffalo or Manhattan and they'd like to get in touch with you I think uh, some of your associates have written books 
Yes. Um, um, how do they get a hold of you? Where do they get these books? Uh, uh, we do have a website. It's um, I don't remember actually the the address of it. Oh yeah, um, the address is www.urban-history.eu. That is the address of Urban History, and there you can get in touch with us. Very good, very good. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, navigation and tourism on the Rhine River. Dr. Andreas Klein, if you could give us a little bit of history going back uh, through the centuries regarding navigation and tours on the very tourism on the very famous Rhine River. Mm -hmm. Well, on the Rhine River, um, tourism, you could argue, started at the end of the 18th century. You see, the 18th century, especially young aristocrats, were doing tours of Europe as a standard part of aristocratic education at that time. And they visited France, Germany, and of course Italy, Rome as the last station usually. And then from Rome, they went back to Britain, in case they were British aristocrats, obviously. And the easiest way back from Rome to England is, of course, to sail on the Rhine. And so at the beginning of the 19th century, aristocrats like Lord Byron, for example, traveled there, and they wrote books and memoirs, travel memoirs about it. And in this way, the Rhine River became more and more popular with people who wanted to travel in Europe. Um, then famous painter Turner, William Turner, at, uh, at contributed to that. He painted a couple of pictures, paintings about the Rhine River, and so the Rhine River became more and more popular with travelers in Europe. Very good. And how many people come every year to visit the Rhine River and the Danube? Uh, is it in the millions? Ooh, yes, I would say. I would say it is in the millions from all over the world, from America, Australia, Britain, and increasingly from China as well. Now, we're getting off the pandemic, people are much healthier now, post-COVID, uh, but that really hurt uh, the tourism on the Rhine and Danube rivers in the last two years, didn't it? Oh, of course it is. In the, in the year 2020, we had no cruises at all because of COVID pandemic. And so that was a serious blow, of course. It started slowly in 2021 again, and now it's approaching the old levels, I would say. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about the Main River. If you could, it's written, it's spelled in English Main, M-A-I-N, but it's pronounced in Germany Main River. Uh, if you could tell us about this river, people know more about the uh, Danube and the Rhine. Tell us about the Main River and the history. Mm -hmm. Well, the Main River flows um, in east-western direction. It flows through the northern parts of Bavaria, which are called Franconia. Um, very, very beautiful towns are situated on it, like the Bam, like Bamberg, for example, which has an extremely nice and beautiful old town, um, which is situated really at the, on a couple of islands situated in the Main River. And then the, Rhine, the Main River goes down to Frankfurt, on the Main, one of the largest and most vibrant cities of Germany. And well, along the coast of the Main River, you have very fine vineyards, for example, which produce a very fine wine, I may say. Mm -hmm. And they also make for a very beautiful setting when you sit on the, on the ship and you enjoy the beauty of those vineyards. It's very beautiful. Very good. 
and there's a couple of baroque castles as well situated near the bank so it's really a very fine scenery to enjoy very good now again if somebody's interested in purchasing some purchasing some of your books or reading more about uh, the river system the canal system in europe uh, what website should they go to or where should they go to uh, purchase these books well we have as i said our own website urban history the address is www.urban-history.eu and we have written two of us for example have written a book about the mine danube canal the name of the book please um the the book is the mine danube canal and it was written by markus urban and daniel gürtler it's available in english and i think you can even purchase it on amazon but i'm not really sure about that one but at least we can help you to find it very good now let's uh, talk a little bit about the Danube River as I'm taping this program we are on the Danube River in the beautiful uh, city of Passau Germany um, and tell us about the history the interest the vitality of the Danube River over the many centuries Dr. Andreas Klein with urban history mm -hmm. well the Danube River is I think the longest river which we have all together in the European continent it's flowing through a couple of countries. It starts in Germany and then flows through Austria, Slovakia, Hungary, Serbia, Bulgaria and Romania. So really a huge number. And there even used to be a state which was in a way named after this river uh, because you know there's the so -called, there was the so-called Austrian-Hungarian Empire which comprised most of the countries I've just mentioned. It broke down in the year 1918 as a result of the First World War. It was an emperorship ruled by an empire, ruled by the famous Habsburg dynasty. And because the Danube River was flowing through the whole of this empire, and most of its metropoles were situated on the banks of the Danube River, this empire, this Austro-Hungarian empire, was very often called the Danube Empire. And so on, this, on the banks of the Danube River, you have not only all the metropoles of these countries like Vienna, for example, or Belgrade or Budapest, but you also have a large number of very beautiful Baroque castles because all the um, main aristocratic families of that empire, mm -hmm. of course, wanted to live near that, uh, that, that artery, that main artery of that empire. And so this to sail on the Danube River is really a journey through European history and through many many different cultures of Europe. Now a lot of people are not familiar of the Roman Empire and their domination mm. for uh, decades and centuries in this region of the world in Germany. Uh, tell us how the Roman Empire came and uh, controlled mm. uh, the, the German area. Um, the Roman Empire didn't control everything of the German Empire they, because they found the Germanic tribes living there too chaotic and too aggressive to be ruled permanently as their subjects. And mm -hmm. so instead they only went to the large rivers of Rhine and Danube. They decided that the large part of Germany east to the Rhine and north to the Danube was just too unruly to be ruled by them and too poor at the same time and so it, it wasn't worthwhile their effort and so instead they used the Rhine and the Danube rivers as border bulwarks 
they created a large number string of castles, of border castles along those two rivers, and used these large and rivers with very strong currents as border bulwarks. And so you can find a lot of ancient Roman uh, reliques and uh, sources over there. Very good. We're learning a great deal about the river system in Europe. Uh, we're learning about the Danube and the Rhine and the uh, Main rivers with historian Dr. Andreas Klein, and he is involved with urban history. Again, if you tell people where to go, what website to purchase your books on the history of this region, our website is www.urban-history.eu. Very good. Um, a little uh, plug here. Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions at events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly's newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Eagle. The Ampol Eagle is available in many Tops and Wegman stores for home delivery. Call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. And we're not far from Poland. It's probably, what, 300 miles from here? Roughly. Where we're, we're taping the program today. We're on the Danube River with noted historian Dr. Andreas Klein. Again, he is involved with urban history. Uh, for those who have just tuned in, he has worked for more than 10 years as an assistant professor for history at the University of Freiburg and Göttingen. He studied history, political science, and psychology at the University of Kiel, Germany, Edinburgh, UK, Basel, Switzerland, and Freiburg, Germany. He's been all over the place, and now he's on the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. If you're listening in Montreal, South Buffalo, or Washington, D.C., drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, the Bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our European and Canadian listeners as this station has received with its 50,000 watts of clear channel power, letters from Scandinavia and New Zealand. Our guest today again is Dr. Andreas Klein on the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. Now let's talk about the mountains and the water system uh, around the mountains with the Main and Danube rivers. Uh, tell us the significance of this, Dr. Andreas Klein. Yes, um, the Main River and the Danube rivers are streaming, I would say, in a parallel way. Um, the Main in the south and uh, in the north, sorry, the northern parts of Bavaria and the Danube River, roughly 120 kilometers to the south of it. Um, the Main River flows into western direction into the Rhine whereas the Danube and the Rhine flows into the North Sea and so into the Atlantic Ocean, whereas the Danube River flows into eastern direction into the Black Sea, which is connected with the Mediterranean. And so, if we would have a waterway between these two rivers, you would have an undisturbed waterway between the Atlantic Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea. 
problem is between those two rivers there is a mountain range called the Franconian Swiss. This, uh, the Franconian Switzerland, you could perhaps say, the Frankish Schweiz. Mm -hmm. And so there is unfortunately no river flowing between these two. There is even a line between them, you could perhaps say, um, because the European continent as a whole is divided into two hydrological spheres. All rivers in the northern sphere, like the Main and the Rhine, flow into northern direction, whereas all in the southern sphere, like the Danube River, flow into southern direction, to the Mediterranean. And so no river overcomes this European watershed. And that's of course a sad thing, because as I said, we would have an understood waterway if it did. And that is the reason why finally the so-called Mayan-Dandic Canal has been built. It overcomes the European watershed, and so because of that canal we now do have such an undisturbed waterway. Very good. If somebody listening in Cheektowaga, New York, or northern Florida, Toronto, would like to buy summer books with urban history, Dr. Andreas Klein, uh, where should they go to find out this information? Mm -hmm. Well, you, you could visit our website. It's called www.urban-history.eu, or you could drop us an email. Um, our email address is info at urban-history.eu. So there you could drop us an email. Very good. Now let's talk about the Central European watershed. This, this region is referred to in this way. Uh, let's talk about the physical attributes, uh, the economy, tourism uh, throughout this Central European watershed. Mm -hmm. Well, this Central European watershed is in a way a line a line going through all the European continent, as I just explained, and as I said, no river, no natural river overcomes this European watershed. And so it is a huge barrier to trade and tourism, of course. And since we have built this Main-Danube Canal, which connects the Main and the Danube River to each other, you can now cross this line. And so that is the reason why you can, for example, make a cruise from Amsterdam the Netherlands up to Budapest in Hungary. That is only possible because of this Main-Danube um, Canal, and that is the reason why they built. Very good. We're very honored to have Dr. Andreas Klein. He's involved with urban history. They do have books available, and he is going to mention the website again where to look on that. It's a very important part of European history and modern tourism today. Uh, throughout the Danube River and the Rhine River in Europe. I'd like to thank those who called regarding our recent guests, Sam and Joe Cardinale, involved in the insurance bonding industry, Erie County Board of Elections Commissioner Ralph Moore, and humanitarian George Miller, who's had humanitarian missions worldwide. Again, any thoughts or comments, please write to Brian Rusk, the Bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York. 14226. We always read cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. Uh, Dr. Klein's fields of specialty are the history of religion and of ideas. Since 2015, he gives lectures on cruise ships and is a lecturer for, the, for history at the University of Göttingen. Our guest today, Dr. Andreas Klein with Urban History. 
Now, we tape this program usually in Buffalo, New York, which is the terminus of the Erie Canal. And when Governor DeWitt Clinton had the canal built, people laughed at it. They called it Clinton's Ditch, Clinton's Folly. I understand Charlemagne, when the development of the uh, canal system in Germany took place, they called it Charlemagne's Trench, similar to Clinton's Ditch. Well, wasn't this really uh, a great vision into the future uh, for economic development and trade? So it was not a trench, it was uh, a fountain of growth and development. Well, it was intended as such, but the problem is that this trench was never finished. Um, it started in the year 792, so even in the early Middle Ages, uh, but the problem was, well, there were two problems, basically. Um, the first is that the soil which was dug out of the trench was piled up right to the sides of the trench. And we know that the winter of the year 792 was very rainy, and so all that soil was washed right back into that trench. And so for this reason, after just half a year of building work, the canal project was abandoned altogether. And the second th problem was that even in case the trench would have been finished, um, he didn't build this, this trench between the rivers of Main and Danube itself because they were far too far away from in the Middle Ages, but he used a couple of smaller rivers, the Rezat and the Altmühl, and the problem with these two rivers is that at that point where he built the trench to connect them, these rivers were just had just a depth of, let's say, one meter. So even if he would have finished this trench, the rivers would have been far too flat, not deep enough for, for boat trade. And so his project in the Middle Ages was doomed right from the beginning, unfortunately to say. Again, if somebody uh, listening in Toronto or Buffalo or New York City would like to buy some of your books and mm -hmm. uh, learn from your website, where do they go? Well, our website is www.urban-history.eu or you can drop us an email at info at urban-history.eu. It's a very nice book with very nice pictures. I can highly recommend it. Very good. Now, with the lecture with your counterpart, Alexander Estel, he told how there were certain regions in Germany where they do want to do some more canal development, but environmentalists stop this and we have this throughout the United States that preservations and uh, preservationists and environmentalists put uh, stops to much uh, development on land or, or water and but isn't this without the development really holding back the economy in just well <clears throat> of course it is in a way holding back economy the, the, the hope on the other side is that by a healthy economy, by the healthy environment, it could perhaps create jobs. How it does so? Well, let's wait and see. I mean, in, you see, the modern canal on which we're cruising today between the Main and the Danube rivers, the Main Danube Canal, was built in the 20th century between the years 1960 and 1992. And environmentalists were putting up resistance against that project even back in the day. And you see that almost they even succeeded in stopping this whole project before it was finished. In 1982, the German federal government completely stopped its financial support because of environmentalists. And so in 1980, construction work on the canal stopped 
before it had been finished, and so almost this canal would not exist at all anymore. But two years later on, 1982, there was a general election, and the Conservative Party came into power, and they overruled uh, resistance by environmentalists, and so the canal became finished today. Well, you would think that environmentalists would appreciate the enhanced beauty and opportunities of the canal system, and they can preserve the new environment. Absolutely. The, the canal is really a very much a green project. Um, it's completely forbidden to dump anything at all into the waters of the canal. So the Mindanib Canal is a very, very, is very good water quality, and there is a huge variety of fish living in that canal today. Um, I think I remember that the, the largest fish which was even caught in that canal was a catfish with a length of 1 meter 81 centimeters. And I mean that it grew to such large, uh, that it became so big, that is really testimony that water quality cannot be bad in that canal. And so it's very good for the environmental, for the environment today, I would say. Very good. Uh, one last question about the competition between the canals and the rail system mm. in Europe that made it difficult to finish and fund the canal system. Tell us about that, Dr. Andres. Yeah, you see, um, the canal which you're cruising today has a predecessor which was built in the 19th century from 1835 to 1845. And during that time, railway was introduced into Germany. So at the big, at when the canal was finally finished, it was technologically already outdated. So um, the railway was a serious competition right from the start. And with regards to that old canal in the 19th century, it had railway had a large number of advantages. The, the biggest advantage was, you see, um, to connect the Main and the Danube rivers, the canal has to overcome a mountain range, mm -hmm. the Franconian Switzerland. And in the 19th century, engineers were not able to build locks very high. So to prevent water from flowing down in the canal all the time, a huge number of small locks had to be built. On a length of 103 miles, this old canal has a number of exactly 100 locks. So almost at every mile you've got a lock. And to make things even worse, a couple of those locks were being operated by one and the same lock keeper, mm -hmm. meaning when he had operated one, he had to run on his feet to the next one to operate it. And I guess you can imagine this didn't do very much to speed up things on the canal. So ships and boats on that canal was moving, were moving very, very slowly. Railway was much, much faster. And so in the 19th century, um, the railway won the competition heads down, you could say. I'm sorry we have to bring the Rust Report to a close. Our guest has been Dr. Andreas Klein. He's involved with a group called Urban History. You can get their books at, uh, look at their website, www.urban-history.edu. That's www.urban-history.eu. Thank you for enlightening us, Dr. Klein, and thank you to our director of production for the past 15 years, Kevin Carr. We've learned so much from Dr. Andreas Klein. Have a good week. 
You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.